Hey everyone, welcome to the Wandering Years podcast, a podcast where we declare the truth that not all who wander are lost. Yeah, so often the young adult years seem like years that are wandering, figuring out who we are. And our hope with this podcast is that you would know that not every moment is a wandering moment and that we'd love to join in this journey together with you. So I'm Andrew. And I'm William. Let's join in this journey together. Well, excited to be back on the Wandering Years podcast uh, and looking forward to this week's Word of the Week, uh, where we get the opportunity to share quotes and uh, interesting words that we've picked up on through the course of the week. Uh, so we're going to start off with William. William, man, what is your word of the week? All right. Well, it was it was a tough one this morning because I'm I'm reading a lot of good things right now. Uh, I'm reading John Steinbeck's East of Eden, and it's uh, phenomenal. Um, it's been a really really awesome journey. But I, I figured if I started talking about that book, I'd spend about thirty minutes talking about it <laughs> and cutting into uh, our conversation. Uh, so I'm not. Um, but what I am going to read from is uh, Flannery O'Connor's um, book of prose called Mystery and Manners. Now, Flannery O'Connor was a, a fiction writer, Southern Catholic short story writer specifically. But this book um, captured a lot of her essays and speeches that she gave. And um, this, is, uh, this is my word of the week. People without hope not only don't write novels, but what is more to the point they don't read them. They don't take long looks at anything because they lack the courage. The way to despair is to refuse to have any kind of experience. And the novel, of course, is a way to have an experience. The lady who read only books that improved her mind was taking a safe course and a hopeless one. She'll never know whether her mind is improved or not. But should she ever, by some mistake, read a great novel She'll know mighty well that something is happening to her. Um, that uh, that quotation really struck me this week because that that's been my experience with with literature. It's um, not escape from reality, but really a heavy dose of reality. Even with things like you know, fic- like fantasy, like Lord of the Rings. If you read Lord of the Rings, things are more real in there than our world, even though there's elves and monsters and whatnot. Like, courage is more courage. Coward, cowardice is more cowardice. Good is more good. Evil is more evil. And uh, anyway, the experience of reading great books is that something really does happen to you. It changes you. Um, but the worst thing that you can do is only read things that make you feel good. <laughs> and... Um, that's kind of, I mean, I wanted to read that too because that's kind of the experience of like Advent, the season leading up to Christmas, like doing specific things that bring you closer to reality um, and to the reality of waiting for Christ rather than just doing things that make you feel good. Um, because in the waiting, in the kind of hard experience, uh, we actually regain our hope and our courage. Um, so literature, Advent, it's all, it's all a good time. So yeah. that's me. I love that, and I think it's important, and it, in an interesting way, kind of connects with my word of the week. Cool. Uh, you know, I think that just as we think about the idea of Advent, and we think about the idea of uh, preparing an expectation, coming into the reality of really all that God has called us to be as a person, um, 
and with our topic today, talking about discipleship and mentoring, uh, I love this quote by G.K. Chesterton when talking about when talking about Christianity and talking about the idea of Christianity. We he got two this. Catholics here this morning. Here we go. We're rocking and rolling. Watch out. Watch out. <laughs> yeah, this is what he said. He said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. And so often when we think about this idea of uh, Advent, when we think about the idea of discipleship, when we think about the idea of Christianity, uh, so often we think that it will either solve our problems, it will either make things a lot less difficult going on in our world. Uh, but in the reality here is this, uh, so often when we walk through and come to the reality of ourselves, it means that we're going to have to face both really great things and both really difficult things, really easy things and really challenging things. And the question is, the way that we get through life is not being able to escape from that. It's actually having tools in our tool belt to be able to walk through that in a God-honoring and beneficial way. You know, uh, and so I really believe that's the heart of seasons of waiting. That's the heart of Christianity. That's the heart of waiting in expectation during Advent as we prepare for Christmas. And that's the heart of walking in a discipleship relationship. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about that conversation today. Yeah, no, yeah, me too. And I love, uh, yeah, I love, I love that Chesterton quote. And you're right. Like Christianity is the hardest thing, but also the easiest thing. Amen. Um, there's this old English adage. Well, that's a redundancy. There's just an adage because that means an old saying um, that the the shortest way home is the longest way round. Yeah. Um, and it basically goes along the lines of like taking on the cross, following Christ, denying yourself is going to be very hard. But it's the easiest way because it's really the only way. Yeah. Any other way outside of that is going to prove way more disastrous, way harder in the end. Even though we think it's like the path of least resistance. But the path of uh, submissive resistance is actually like, uh, it's the easiest way because it's the way that we were designed for. Um, and so that's, that's really cool. That's what we'll be, be getting into for sure. All right, so we are talking discipleship. Um, really excited to have this conversation today, Andrew. Um, we were just actually right before we hit hit play, we're like, man, we're here because um, someone did that for us, and going all the way back to the um, to the original twelve. So it's a uh, it's a big thing. But the thing about discipleship is, in churches, it gets talked about a lot. And oftentimes the actual process of like, what does that mean or how do you do it gets um, swept under the rug. Um, It's it's supposed to be the lifeblood of the church, but then it kind of just fades out. Um, And so um, today we just have a fun fun opportunity to sit down and really get into it, talk about what it is, God's design for it, and then um, kind of how, how that has played out in our lives and um, some words that we have. But uh, maybe the place to begin is just talking about God's design yeah. for discipleship. Yeah, you know, I think, that, I think that in the midst of this, you're right. You know, the church, I feel like with discipleship, and there's a few other things that they use as well, that they have this running list of, of 
comments and statements and words that will get thrown out casually, um, but so often are so often are not fully talked about in a way that helps people understand. Yeah, that sounds great, but what does it look like in here in the 21st century in whatever city you're sitting in? For us, Memphis, Tennessee, right now, it's like how does that mean for how does that look like for me right now? And I think it's really interesting to talk about God's design for discipleship and God's design for relationship first, because it's important to understand that discipleship is not just, it's not just an opportunity to be in relationship with someone else. It's not just a box that we check to be a good Christian. It's how God intended relationship to be. Uh, I, I think that in the midst of this, when we think about discipleship and relationship it really is meant to be an ironing an iron sharpens iron kind of process being in relationship knowing people uh, it's about seeking after him and study in relationship to through seeking sources but i think in the midst of this and john wesley really did a really good job of this is it's soul work too not just personally, but also within relationship as well. You know, the thinking about the questions that if you look at, uh, if you look at the clubs and the discipleship groups uh, and the class meetings that uh, John Wesley instituted, uh, the questions that he would ask is not, "Well, tell me this Bible verse." Yeah, you know, it right. was, "How right. is it with your soul?" Yeah, and that sounds that's a really big way of saying, "How are you really doing?" You know, and I think that in the midst of this, it's important for us to understand in relationship that God always intended uh, for us in partnership with seeking after him to grow in relationship with one another. And that's not just, hey, how you doing? How's work going? That's, hey, this is who I am. This is who, this is what really motivates me. This is what I really struggle with. This is what I need you as my brother or sister in the faith um, to, to hold me accountable to. Uh, it's those moments uh, where trust is really built and it is not broken. Uh, and I think so often, man, I think we have, uh, we have lost as, as the body, as people, uh, what it means to be in true relationship with others, to walk that iron sharpens iron process and to be afraid. And we really are afraid. And I feel this in my own life. We're afraid to sometimes let out our true selves uh, because the true reality of what it means to have hardcore trust with one another, yeah. uh, unfortunately, in the uh, has been broken on several occasions, so it makes people hesitant to be able to trust people really to the level I think you need to get to in order to be in these discipleship relationships. What do you think, man? Um, I, I just thought discipleship was craft lattes and uh, and uh, skinny, skinny jeans. But, uh, you, I mean, you really just rocked my world right there. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, that all, um, no, I mean... Yeah, I mean you're really, really, really spot on. It's um, it's it's life lived together on on the basis of trust, and, and trust is really the um, the first step. But I wanted to um, look at um, you know the Great Commission, yeah, as a place for us to um, really dive into. Um, okay, um, what is disciple making? What do those relationships consist of? Um, and this is, this is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Um, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, 
but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Um, this uh, this verse is, um, I mean, it just it pumps me up. Like it's like that's like the Braveheart speech before the battle, where Jesus is like, like guys, I mean, this is it. Um, there's only eleven of us here, but we're a band of brothers, and um, God's rescue mission for redeeming the world is is starting now. Yeah. So it's this awesome clarion call, um, really, to begin to um, change the world. But there's a couple of pieces here that I think are really important um, to remember about discipleship. One uh, is that the power comes from Jesus. All authority is his. And then at the end of this, he says, I'm with you always. And so a lot of times with like discipleship, it can feel like you're alone. Um, but we know that, like, I mean, Jesus really is and will be with us in the midst of this. Um, secondly, uh, it's that word go. Like as, it's as a participle, as you are going. And so discipleship doesn't have to be um, in a church. It doesn't have to be anywhere in particular. It's meant to be a continual, um, lifelong journey. So as you are out there in school or in moving towns or going to a new place, like that is the mission ground for you. It's as you are going, wherever you are. Because um, the whole world, like the moment you step outside the church, the whole world is a mission field, like ripe for discipleship. Um, next thing is he says baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit like part of discipleship is um, you know being involved in the life of the church with the sacraments and like bringing people in being in community there and it's Trinitarian um, it really is and uh, this is a this is a, a big thing for me but C.S. Lewis in um, Mere Christianity talks about the Trinity as a kind of dance This this he, he says I, I don't mean to be irreverent but the best image that I have of the Trinity is this incredible dance filled with so much life um, and a pulsating activity of life and love. And he says, if you want to, you know, if you want to experience that, um, you almost you catch it like a good infection. He says, so it's not so much taught as it's caught. And so, um, really, like our job as disciple makers is to bring people into proximity where that Trinitarian life is abounding. And then as you are hearing sermons, or I mean, I mean, really, I mean, as you're just living life, whatever, like when you're cooking, the way that you handle yourself, the way that you love the people around you, um, that, that like Trinitarian life, they'll catch it. Um, but it comes through like continual like proximity and, and, and life together. Um, and then the last thing is teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And that's a really important piece because I think that the, the church is... Um, some of the, not all of the church, but people have this tendency to think that becoming a disciple is just a decision you make. Yeah. Um, but it's really meant to be a life, a lifelong process. And I know, I know your guy is, I'm sure you're going to be quoting him, but Bonhoeffer, yeah. um, this is from Cost of Discipleship, but he said, the disobedient can't believe, yeah. only the obedient. Yeah. And part of becoming a disciple isn't just like intellectually saying like, yep, okay. 
Yep, Jesus is, is the truth. He's also got to be the way. Yeah. And part of really believing is, is coming alongside people and inviting them into the way of life yeah. that Jesus taught us to live. Um, and then that gets in line with like what you were talking about, like with the bands of like, hey, like how is your soul? Like what are your successes and failures? Like what is the Spirit calling you to? Like this is like a holistic life, life kind of thing. Um, yeah, so... That's that's my my flash of discipleship. Yeah, I love that you brought up Bonhoeffer because I think that man, this guy. If you haven't read Bonhoeffer, you need to. This guy is, and especially when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to walking through and understanding what true, um, genuine relationship is all about. This guy nails it. And what I love about him is, man, he is a no nonsense truth-telling kind of guy he's gonna look you in the face and speak truth to you he's gonna love you in the midst of it but as if you look at any of his writing if you look at the course of his life he was in a lot of crazy stuff i mean he was you know he was a part he was he was a christian in the midst of uh, nazi germany and he he walked through and he had the opportunity he came to america and had the opportunity to escape what was going on in the heat of the nazi takeover in the regime there and he said no i have to go back i have to go back there's people there there's relationships there there's truth that has to be shared and he ends up dying. I mean, he ends up being killed as a result of that. But what I love and what you mentioned, and I think that he shares so well, is we don't have time to waste just to check the box of drinking our cup of coffee and saying we've done our discipleship for the week. Yeah. You know, in the midst of this, the, the name of Jesus has we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus to walk life with people and to share the truth of the gospel that is not that is our that is our privilege but that is our responsibility uh, and it's not this what we're talking about are people's lives this is not just this is not just another great hill song worship song this is some people's lives this is life and death uh, and, and I think the beauty of that uh, is these relationships, and I almost like to call discipleship uh, more of a journey. Yeah. Than, oh, than, yeah. Absolutely. I, I think uh, journeys that people walk down, they need to be valued and emphasized. Because I think when we think about journey, when we call it a journey, we don't see it more of as, oh, I got to do my discipleship for the week. It's like, hey, I'm walking a journey with someone else as we walk towards Jesus. You know, uh, but but William, in the midst of that, you know, I think that in this world and the brokenness of sin and the way that, you know, things have come about, you know, especially during COVID, when a lot of us were forced to be not with one another, uh, relationship forming is hard. Yeah. It's difficult. Uh, it, it's something that can be really challenging. It can hurt. It, it takes being vulnerable. Uh, so, man, I, I think really where I would love for us to kind of step into next is uh, why is it so hard in this season, in this time to form relationships and, and wholesome relationships at that. And, and for those folks who may be sitting out there going, you know, I want to create relationships. I want to be in wholesome relationships with one another, but I don't really know where to go. I don't know how to start. Let's talk about what it means to really dig into these wholesome relationships. Yeah. Go ahead. Man. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think part of why this is so hard is uh, the culture that we, I mean, that we live in. 
Um, there are so many forces uh, in our culture, um, in in media or just trends or um, you know in whatever that is antithetical to uh, the Christian way of life. And uh, you, I mean, you can even see this like allegorically in in the scriptures um, when Jesus calls the the original disciples. They're like they're out on the boats on the waters, and the waters really like I mean, it kind of represents the the, the 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 culture around and these guys are out there and they're fishing and then Jesus calls them and they let it go they let their nets which represented their livelihood security um, wealth income they just and they followed and uh, I mean it doesn't it won't be as drastic for us in the 21st century but it's going to be like i mean it's still going to be like drastic um and so part of the like it's not going to be drastic in the sense of like i have to give up you know my job but you might have to give up a big part of your heart and and the way that you've been living and that i mean that's a hard part of about the relationship building now is like some of these people that god's put on your heart that you know you want to form relationships with um they're out in the sea um, uh, floating and doing um, living living life on their terms and um, it can be hard one to get the courage to you know in, invite invite other people in and then also like uh, it's hard I mean it's hard for them to leave and so that's I mean that's that's one I mean that's definitely one thing um, another thing is um Growing up in like a, a Christian culture, we have this idea of discipleship as being more like a book club, um, where we're going to sit down and, and go through um, the scriptures or go through like a Christian book. Um, but we have to strike a real balance of um, how do I like how do I contextualize the gospel to meet this person? Because yeah. maybe what this person needs is someone just to go running with them every Saturday morning or to go with them to the climbing gym or do they love watching like weird obscure like films like to watch movies with them and so meet them where they are uh, I, I learned this about um, St. Saint Patrick in Ireland but uh, he would ride a horse and then if he'd come across someone in the woods that didn't have a horse he would he would get off and walk with them mm-hmm. and like that's that's what really we need to be doing in our discipleship because we can come on our on our high horses with this is let me like walk you through Romans Road and like all these kind of things and we need to do that but it's a matter of contextual contextualizing um, contextualizing when that's the most appropriate time and maybe the best thing to do is just to meet people where they are with what they love and then that's when you build up that trust and then they begin to love you as a friend and then that gives you a real authority to be like hey well this is like this is my whole hope for living like this is why I do this and then um, and then you can share and um, and the good news about like well relationship building is hard this kind of discipleship building is hard but the good news is God created every human heart for him yeah. it's like what Augustine said uh, our hearts are restless until they come to rest in thee and so everyone's heart is searching for God but they're filling it in the wrong places. And so the game is bent in our favor. 
Like we have the thing that their hearts were made for. And so even though it's hard, like so liberally, like the like the sower with of the seeds, like he didn't just sow it on, on good ground. He sowed it everywhere. And um, people's hearts are, are made made for the gospel. Yeah, you know, I think that I think that people are crying out for wholesome relationships where they can be truly themselves and truly be uh, can truly be in these sort of discipleship, God honoring wholesome relationships. I think for so often, and we've touched on this a few times now. Trust has been broken, trust has been broken, trust has been broken, trust has been broken. Sin is a part of this world. But what happens though, and what people don't talk about all the times when it comes to broken trust, is when that trust is broken, so often within that area of breaking, a barrier goes up. And in that area of breaking, another barrier goes up. And in that area of breaking, another barrier goes up. To where what we're walking, what we're walking around to people, and how we're walking into relationships with people are: you see us, but before you get to us, there are all these walls of barriers up that you're meeting before you're actually meeting us, yeah. and the true us. And we have to so often beforehand, before we can actually get into true genuine, before we can get real with one another, we have to spend so much time breaking down each other's barriers. Uh, And we have to break down each other's barriers. And then as people are in relationship with one another, we ourselves break down our own barriers. But it's all under the heart and it's all under the name of Jesus is the one who heals those wounds in our hearts. Uh, But I think... You know, I, I think that as we think about this idea of why is relationship forming so hard, yes, it's the culture. Uh, but in the midst of this, we have been forced, whether that's through screens and, and, and digital connection that we have with folks or, uh, or past hurts that we've had in different relationships or insecurities within our own heart or just nature the presence of sin in our lives and brokenness that uh, the adversary looks at us and says you aren't good enough they don't want to hear from you they don't want to know who the true person is that you are like in the midst of this we believe those lies we believe those lies we we believe those whispers of the adversary saying you aren't enough people don't want to if people saw who you really were they wouldn't want to be friends with you and what ends up happening is is we end up just reclusing, we recluse behind our barriers and we have this mask and this face of this is who I'm putting out to people of who I am. Uh, but the reality is there's so much more behind the mask when the reality is, and I think so, I think the beauty of discipleship really as a forefront is, is breaking down those barriers of saying, no, like I do want to hear you are beautiful. You are chosen in the eyes of God. Like who you are is beautiful because God created you in the midst of that way. Uh, and so, man, I, I think about when it comes to seeking out these relationships, first of all, we have to go into God honoring places. We have to go and put ourselves around people. And it takes being vulnerable. It takes stepping out, not just once. It takes making a commitment to say, hey, I'm going to go visit this new group that I'm going to go visit this new group a couple times. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on this trip with these people that I may not know very well. 
you know, but in the midst of this, we have the opportunity to see people around us and ask the question, are these people loving well? Are we, envi- are we in environments that are good? You know, are we, uh, are, do these people want the best for you and the people around you? Do they push you to look, to look, to look more like Jesus? Uh, but I think that this is a commitment and an intentional uh, time that needs to be taken for people to say, no, not just one time, but over a season, I'm going to put, say, hey, I'm taking a cannonball in to getting to know people, to trying my best to show up at events, to try and figure out who people are. Because walking into discipleship relationships doesn't happen after one meeting. It doesn't happen after one meeting. And the last thing I'll say in the midst of this, and then I want to throw it back to you, is this. Uh, churches are meant to be the place where, uh, where, where we can walk in, talk to a pastor, talk to people. Unfortunately, in our, season, in, in our culture, uh, churches don't always present the best uh, foot forward as to provide genuine community and opportunity for people to be in relationship. Uh, so I would say here, you know, whether, whether it's a church, whether it's a community of people that you're around that loves the Lord and loves you and wants to push you to be the best that you can be, or even if it is a church, you know, maybe it's you walking into uh, a, a welcome point or to go to an info desk and to look at someone and say, hey, I desire to be in a discipleship relationship. You know, and to vocalize that to someone. And hopefully if that church is doing their job, they're going to say, hey, let me get your information and somebody's going to be in contact with you. You know, uh, I, I think that in those instances, sometimes it, says, it takes vocalizing and saying, I desire this and see what happens as, and see what the Lord does in the midst of that. William, what Absolutely. do you think about that? Yeah, um, two uh, images are, are coming to mind. One is Wally. Yeah. Uh, where everyone is on the, on the spaceship and they're floating around on those those beds and just watching watching the screens like what you said like we as Christians are the people who have like woken up <laughs> who are like oh my gosh like there's a different kind of life out there I mean there's real pleasure and real joy not not this you know fabricated kind and part of I mean part of our role is to you know show people that. Um, because it really is exciting. The other thing, the other image I have is, and we talked about this last week, but the matrix idea of of people you know who who aren't in Christ are kind of living in um, in in the matrix in this um, simulated world of um, life on their terms, comforts, um, you know, trying to come up with a plan. And as as Christians, when we meet with them, we're offering them that chance to like uh, enter into a dangerous but wildly awesome and real world. And part of and it is hard to take that. It's really hard to take that leap for people. There's that one guy in the uh, in the Matrix who's who's there, but then he uh, ends up betraying them, and then he's eating dinner with the um, computer program, and he's like. I don't care if it's not real. Like this steak tastes so good and make me famous and there you know, and like and goes back. So it's like hard to choose the adventure, but um that's what really that's what people want. People want meaning, people want adventure, people want a story. And um in our like twenty first century context where like all grand narratives are being questioned and like meaning is being deconstructed, to be able to be like, Hey man, like this is 
the story. I mean, this is the adventure. Like every great movie or novel you've ever read where someone steps outside of home and is called to some kind of journey, like this is what this is. Like come alongside with me. And you, mean, you don't have to present it in those terms, but maybe eventually. And uh, it's exciting. And I mean, that's what our, what our hearts are made for. Um, and so, yeah, that's just, that's what I was thinking about. Um, but maybe the next place we want to turn is uh, how do you begin to seek these relationships? You know, um, if you're in college or wherever you are and you want to be discipled, um, you want to disciple. How do you, like, where do you go? How do you begin? Yeah. You know, William, I think that it's going to sound really stereotypical and it's going to sound really, you're going to be like, really? You know, but in the midst of this, I, I really believe this. Both if you're someone who want, who's, is desiring to be discipled and also if you're desiring to be a discipler, if you're looking for that relationship to walk into, uh, I think that first of all, in the midst of this, at least at least what I found in my life is if we are praying for that, God, I desire to be in this sort of relationship. God, I desire to be poured into. God, I desire to walk down a relationship with someone. Uh, I think that both if we're praying for that sort of relationship and if we're plugged into a, a community of people that love that love the Lord. I think so often God begins to speak to us and put people in our lives uh, that either open up the door to be discipled or to disciple. You know, I, I think that I think that prayer kind of primes that pump. Uh, but I think, you know, so often our first thought doesn't have to be, well, I need to look for someone to do an inductive, comprehensive Bible study of the book of Hezekiah. You know, it doesn't it doesn't always have to look like that. I think so often so often it's beautiful for someone to say, especially for for someone who is looking to disciple, look at someone who may be a young adult, someone who might be single, someone who might be walking through that course of life. Look at them and say, hey, I'm making dinner at my home Friday night. I want you to come have dinner with me. I want you to come, I want you to come have dinner with me. Ask intentional questions about who they are. Hey, who are you? What what brings you joy? What brings you uh, what brings you life? You know, I think in the midst of this, I think just as just as someone who is seeking to be discipled, that takes a commitment of time and intention. I think it's the same case for someone who's seeking to be a discipler. You don't you don't take one visit and become a discipler. You make a commitment to say, hey, I want to be in relationship with this person. This means walking life with them. This means doing this means seeking after Jesus, iron sharpening iron together, you know, throughout the course of time. Uh, I love I love what Jesus says to to Zacchaeus. You know, he looks Zacchaeus is up in the tree. Says, "Hey, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, for I'm coming to have dinner at your house tonight." You know, uh, and I love that because and so often, so often we look at this idea of discipleship as something where we're like, "Man, I'm just gonna sit at a coffee house and somebody will just show up." You know, and it's like, or you know, you may be sitting there either saying, man, I desire someone to pour into my life so much, or I desire to be that person uh, to pour into someone's life that much. 
as we walk through that, you want to say, hey, Lord, give me the ears to hear and the eyes to see the people that you put in front of me uh, to be able to pour into. Uh, Lord, give me the ears to hear and eyes to see the opportunity to be able to vocalize and say, I desire to be poured into. I desire to be discipled. Because it's so interesting over the course of my life, I've found in the past I've been so scared both in both instances to, to vocalize, hey, that I want to be poured into and also that I want to be a discipler. But sometimes those moments of stepping in and saying, hey, let's go get coffee together. Let's, uh, let's go have a meal together. Let's spend time talking with one another. It's almost, it's crazy to see how that just sparks a relationship where you start walking and you talking about, you know, it starts by talking about football and what you like to eat and how, how college classes are going and this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden it begins to lean into, hey, dude, how's your soul? How's your soul? You know, what has the Lord been speaking to you? What have you been struggling with? How can I walk life with you? You know, uh, because at, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we have to realize that in the midst of this, just as Jesus made the commitment to walk life with the 12, with the 12 disciples, if you walk and you see uh, in the midst of this, Jesus says, hey, come follow me. Jesus says, hey, come follow me. And there are instances as he's walking, you know, as they're traveling together, he is teaching these crowds, or maybe he's with the disciples, and he'll stop for a second and start teaching about something or another. But it was amazing to see, hey, just come live life with me. Come live life with me. We're going to travel and do this. We're going to be in, in relationship with one another. We're going to break bread with one another. Uh, and as you're going, just kind of like what you talked about earlier in the podcast, he would stop and he would stop and say he would stop and speak truth he would stop and uh, be in prayer you know they would get the opportunity to see the savior of the world think about those disciples man those disciples had the opportunity to be in relationship and to see the savior of the world just exist live and breathe and be in relationship with him uh, as a discipler you are not the savior of the world uh, but you can be real about what you know and you can be real about what you don't know. But just as you learn from someone else, someone else may take one or two things and learn from you as well as y'all push towards Jesus. Yeah. I don't know what you uh, think. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking about what, you, what you're talking about and um, discipleship, it's about, about the heart. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the disciples have this awesome privilege of being in relationship with Jesus, but there were a lot of people who came to him and were like, hey, I want to follow you. And then um, Jesus like looks at them and knows them and, and sees sees their heart, rich young ruler, like, okay, go and sell all your possessions yeah. first and then come follow me. And the guy walks away sad. Um, the, I mean, other guys like, first let me go bury my, my father. And he says, let the dead bury the dead. Okay, and what he means is like the spiritual, like the spiritually dead. He's like, no, I want to make you like spiritually alive. And um, I think we have to have the same discernment too in our in our discipleships, like seeing seeing those things in in our discipleship relationships, seeing like the heart of the people that we're with, and like speaking into them and being like, hey, like why are you like why are you really here? Like why do you really like want want to know this? Or um, and then after being known, being seen, or like walking walking with them. Um, 
place I, I want to like this question is like okay what if i want to be discipled versus what if i want to disciple the the be discipled part i think the biggest thing is proximity um if you look at matthew 13 this is when jesus is, is doing the parables um the crowds are on the shore and jesus is teaching from the boat and the disciples are on the boat and he te- he, he does these parables the people who get the explanation those who have eyes and ears that are, Jesus says, blessed are the disciples that are with him on the boat. The people in the crowds, Jesus has that passage from Isaiah, like they're ever hearing but never understanding or ever seeing but never like taking in. Like they're hearing the parables but not the meaning because they don't have that proximity to Jesus. And so for us in our like discipleship, like if you want to be discipled, get in proximity where that, trinitarian life is like abounding so whatever church that is whatever college ministry that is um you know wherever the the small group of christians are in your place because they're there they're everywhere taken over worldwide um like be uh yeah be present be in proximity and somebody if you show an interest and you're present you will like you won't fall through the cracks i mean you won't um and uh, anybody who's ever survived youth ministry, uh, they know that you want to be fat. Okay. I'm talking faithful, available, teachable, fat. And if you can you know, demonstrate those things, you're faithful in showing up, you're available to meet, and you're willing to listen. You're not coming in with, I know the highway. And that was part of my, my problem in college. Like, I, there are guys who are trying to disciple me, and I thought that I was like knew more had you know whatever and uh i don't know it, i mean it kind of gets in the way it, it wasn't until like senior year that i was like oh man i need to like chill out but faithful available teachable um and if you aren't being reached out to ask <laughs> hey can somebody start meeting with me or you know and they like they will um but kind of flipping over uh, the next question is, okay, if you want to begin to disciple people, if you're in college or you're outside of college and you want to you know, begin to seek out those people younger than you who you want to disciple, uh, where do you begin? And like what you said, Andrew, starts with prayer. Um, Jesus said this, Matthew 9, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's a college campus. Lots of sheep without a shepherd. It's a microcosm of the world. And God is calling young Christians to be be his shepherds. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Begin to pray. Because that harvest is ripe and and, and God is, is calling his workers. So um, begin to pray that the prayer of um, uh, Isaiah, I think. Send me. Send me. I want, like, put people in my life, God. Um, and he will. And then even if you don't see any traction, just live a life on fire for God. Even if you're the only one, um, and if you're on fire, people will see the light. Um, if you are kind, people will notice that. 
if you take a genuine interest in who they are or what they're into or their story, um, people will be open. It's disarming. I mean, our world, everybody has a chip on their shoulder, especially in college, and it's looking out for number one and their career and what they want to do. And if you can take a step aside and just like, just take a genuine, not like without any kind of gain to yourself interest in somebody, um, it will it will make a difference. Um, and so like, uh, and then that's, that. I mean, that's where it, where it begins. But there's this great book called uh, Forming Intentional Disciples um, by Sherry A. Weddle. And she uh, tracked the, the process of, um, you know, a, a disciple making. Begins with trust, like w- what we said. Um, and trust, uh, here's, here's, my, here's my example of what trust is. This is from The Great Divorce. I read this the other day when we were talking about deconstruction. This is the same, same conversation between the Episcopalian ghost. But um, at the end of it, this is, this, is how, this is how it ends. He says, this is the redeemed spirit talking to the ghost. Um, you can begin as if nothing had ever gone wrong, white as snow. It's all true, you know. He is in me for you with that power, and I have come a long journey to meet you. You have seen hell. You are in sight of heaven. Will you even now repent and believe? I'm not sure that I've got the exact point you were trying to make, said the ghost. I'm not trying to make any point, said the spirit. I'm telling you to repent and believe. But my dear boy, I believe already. We may not be perfectly agreed, but you have completely misjudged me if you do not realize that my religion is very real and a very precious thing to me. Very well, said the other, as if changing his plan. Will you believe in me? In what sense? Will you come with me to the mountains? It will hurt at first until your feet are hardened. Reality is harsh to the feet of shadows, but will you come? I love this because he changes his plan of, you know, evangelism to say, will you at least just believe in me? And then the invitation is these, these ghosts, they can't go into, they have a hard time going to heaven because they're so insubstantial and shadowy, it hurts their feet. He's like, lean on me. I will carry you as much as I can. I will be yoked with you. I've journeyed a long way to get back to you, and I'll journey with you ahead. That's trust. That's discipleship. Uh, The next part is, so once a person has trust, the next step is curiosity. Uh, Maybe they're like, okay, like I've had these questions about the problem of evil, like why is a good God uh, allow suffering to exist? Or maybe they have questions about, okay, like I get the gospel, but what about, you know, the Christianity sexual ethic? Isn't that... um, you know, bigoted or offensive. Like, after trust, you'll begin to get these questions. And this will be a great opportunity for you to walk, walk, with, these, walk with these people through those kind of things. Um, and for us, uh, it's important to, to know our apologetics <laughs> um, when, those time, when those time comes. After curiosity, we have real spiritual openness. Um. We, uh, as people, are addicted to detachment um, and not making any any kind of a commitment. Um, but then this point of this discipleship process has been the person is like, you know what? No, I'm open to being changed. Yeah, this is good. I want this, 
this Bible, this truth in my life. Uh, and then the next, the next step is um, active spiritually seeking. So they move beyond mere trust to, um, I want to be involved with what you're doing. I want to be present in your study, in your church, in your life. I'm here. Uh, and that's, um, and then after that, it's you beginning to make other disciples. <laughs> uh, that's the journey. And everyone in the whole world is at some step in that journey. Um, everyone is on a faith journey, even the most militant atheist that you could think about. Um, and so, like for us, man, like meet them where they are. If it's trust, trust. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, man. You know, I think that I, I think that at the end of the day, we have to realize that, and this is something that I want us to talk about because you said at the beginning of the podcast that so we are sitting here just based off of the people that spoke life into us in that regard and to be able to walk that life into us. You know, I, I think that I, I think about two particular people in my life that have, that have uh, really done that and that, and the beauty of that, uh, is people, they're people that in the midst of this, they push me towards Jesus. Uh, they, they taught me scripture. They taught me how to walk in life. But here's the beautiful thing that connected with that. I think about my college pastor from, from college. He was one of those people. He was, he wanted, he asked me to do life with him. Hey, I'm going to run errands. You want to just ride in the car with me? Like, Hey, I'm going to go eat at Waffle House. You want to go eat at Waffle House with me? Uh, when I told him I felt a call to ministry, he was like, Hey, anything that I can take you to, I just want you to come with me, get a, get a view of what's going on at the church. See how we do it. We don't do it right. But here's an example of that. You know, he heard that I felt called to teach and preach and he gave me opportunities to do that. And it's the same thing with, with one of my pastors and, and friends here in Memphis now. Same thing. You know, it's one of those things. Hey, I want, you to, I want you to come over to my house. You know, hey, happy birthday. I'm thankful that you were born. Hey, you, wanna be a pre- you want to teach? You want to preach? Hey, I want you to do that. Uh, here's an opportunity to do that. The beauty of it is a couple things. Number one, I got to walk life with them. I got to laugh with them. I got to cry with them. I got to be angry with them. Uh, but in the midst of that, they looked into me and said, hey, I believe in you. And they didn't just say that with words. They backed it up with action. And the beauty of all this is as they pointed me towards Jesus, I have no doubt to this very day that they have my back. If I call them and said, hey, I need you. Hey, something's wrong. Hey, I need you. They'll drop everything that they're doing to be there for me in one way or another. And that's a beauty in that. And, it, and there's a beauty to know that those people have looked at me and seen me in my best, seen me in my worst, seen me when I'm really happy, seen me when I'm really stressed, seen me when I'm really angry, see, see me when I'm in spiritually great seasons, see me when I'm in spiritually dry seasons. And they look at me and they say, hey, I love you and the God of the universe loves you. And I think there's a lot of beauty in that. There's, there's a lot of beauty in that. It didn't matter what went on. It didn't matter what went on. I still today, you know, I've been out of college a few years now. I'm not going to, I don't like talking about being so far out of college now. But in the midst of that, I still feel like I can call my college pastor up in that moment. And call them, and, and, and that same connection is still there. People who you know without a shadow of a doubt are for you. But hear me, it takes time. 
both of those people, both of those people that I'm referring to there, my college pastor and a pastor friend here, it's taken years, plural, years, plural. Took all four years for one, and it has taken 10 years for another to develop these sort of relationships, and we're still growing together. You know, but I, what I love in the midst of this and what I want to push for me, what has meant so much in these two discipleship relationships for me is they have looked at me with their words. They have looked at me with their actions and said, hey, I believe in you and I believe in the person that God has called you to be. And they have allowed me to live life with them as they push me towards Jesus. And they have never been too holier than thou to learn from me. And I've learned so much for them. Uh, and in the midst of that, I know they have my back. I, I know they have my back, and I'm really thankful for that. Uh, William, when you think about maybe examples in your life, what are some things stick out? What are some things that stick out with the people that have connected with you in that way? Yeah, um, absolutely, man. Uh, I can think of. I mean, I'm I'm the product of people just loving me loving me so well i loved what you said about your mentors that they that they believed in you um that they that i mean that's this is what discipleship is it's looking at someone and seeing the at, like tim keller says the glory self that person of who god created them to be and then being like i am committed to chiseling away the um everything else and you know leaving you as that as that glory self and that that's what those people have been for me they also um weren't slaves to the tyranny of the urgent um they focused on what was most meaningful and that was relationships people's hearts rather than i gotta be here or i gotta do this or you know they were willing to put aside i'm sure their time and their commitments to be with to be with me um yeah, i mean that's the thing about people who are on fire for god they always seem to have more time yeah. than uh other people yeah. uh and it's not a coincidence um because they are focused on they're driven by what's most important um and uh, and so thinking about those those people for me, um, growing up it was our like youth group leaders here at church. Um, these guys like um, Davo and I mean you go you know these guys Davo and Dallas Pfeiffer and Ty Garvey and everyone they they um, were genuinely interested in me uh, and they cared about what thirteen year old William Merriman cared about. They uh, would play FIFA. They come over to my house, play FIFA with me, um, come to my soccer games, encourage me, um, and to be able to, like when you're like when you're a kid and you're a goalie and you look over and you see that person like your youth group leader at the game rooting you on. Next time you show up at youth group, you're gonna really listen to them because you know that they really love you. And uh, them doing those kind of things for me opened up a place in my heart where I fully trusted them. Um, like like what you said, and uh, as I as I got older, um, two two relationships. One was a um, philosophy professor at Swanee. His name was Doctor Peters, and um, I never took any of his classes, 
but he st- he started a Bible study my freshman year at his house on Friday nights when uh, everyone else on that crazy campus <laughs> was partying. Uh, I would drive about 15 minutes out uh, in the middle of nowhere to Dr. Peter's house, and his wife would make us dinner, and we'd sit around and eat and fellowship, and then uh, we read like screw tape letters and then some like N.T. Wright commentaries later. But just like, I mean, to be able to do that, like that was such a commitment to like cook dinner for us, but then just to invite us in. And all, all of the students who were there needed that um, because it was hard, like being a Christian on that campus. Um, last one um, was a guy who uh, kind of like, it's kind of like what we talked about when we talked about friendship like that love of OU2, and then you begin to do that, like you become friends because you love that similar thing, knew that I, I knew that I loved literature, poetry, and as we would meet uh, to talk about Christ, we, he would also give me like poems to read, would give me books to read, and we'd come together and be like, so what do you think? And we'd talk about them, and then all those conversations ended up being about the heart and being about, um, being about Christ. And that's been a really good model for me um, right now, I'm I'm meeting with a guy, and I'm getting ready to be married in March, and uh, had been wanting to read um, Tim Keller's Meaning of Marriage. And this guy that I'm meeting with um, is trying to think through all of these questions too. And I was like, Hey, I'm about to start reading this. Like, you want to read it with me? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's been such a fruitful journey for us to do that together. Um, just to meet people what they are, to figure out what they're into, what they love, and to to do that to do that with them. So, yeah, man. yeah. You know, I think that it's encouraging, and we praise the Lord for the opportunities to be able to step into that. Uh, but I think that you know, for there's a lot of, there's a lot of people who are seeking to be in these same sort of relationships, either to be discipled or to be that discipler. Who are seeking that but haven't found that haven't connected in that in that way and and you know as we close William I really just want us to speak into their into their hearts uh, you know I want to speak into their hearts right now because I think that in the midst of this it can be discouraging because you hear oh I want to be a you know we need to be disciple makers we want to be disciplers we want to be discipled and that is that is a that is a scriptural model, but it's not always easy, especially in this season. Uh, so, man, uh, I, I think that I, I'd love for you to just start us off and and speak some words of encouragement into those folks. Absolutely. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's word will never return void. And Jesus, the word promised us that he will always be with us at the Great Commission. And so for that person who is looking to disciple or looking to be discipled, you can trust in Christ that his word will not return void, um, that it will go out and, uh, I mean, will sow, will change hearts and change lives. 
uh, and that that word is living and alive. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, and it lives in you, and um, it is electric. And I mean, to look back at history, like all of this Christianity, it began with eleven dudes on a mountaintop who just took a genuine interest in um, in other people, and it just it spread out like there. And so if you're in a community, you feel like you're isolated, like, what an opportunity. <laughs> and um, God is with you, Christ is with you, and they'll be moving. You know, I would say, I would say too, in the midst of this, know that those people are out there, and the Lord in the perfect, in, in His timing, uh, will connect in that. If we're faithful to continue to seek and say, Lord, give me the ears to hear and eyes to see, those people that you've set in front of me to have a, to have a place in, or to be able to connect with, or to be discipled by, or to disciple. I love what Tish Harrison Warren says in uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary. And everybody wants a revolution, but nobody wants to wipe, to wash the dishes. Uh, and, and sometimes it means being faithful where you are to continue to wash the dishes. Be faithful in washing the dishes. Be faithful in working your job well. Be faithful in loving the people that is currently in your life well. Be faithful in loving the Lord well. Uh, and I think that in the midst of this, what we realize is that God places different people in our lives for different seasons. And I think there's beauty in that. God did not just put one person on this earth to disciple you forever. That's not, that's not the nature of how discipleship works. The beauty is that is for different seasons, God has placed different people in your life uh, to pour and speak life into you, to be able to tell you the things that you want to hear and also the things that you need to hear. And I think that I think that as we are intentional to seek after that truth, if we're intentional to wash our dishes well, to know that God is faithful, that God does see you, that you are worthy of the relationship to be able to be poured into, and you are enough to be able to pour into others, hear that truth. Uh, I think that in the midst of this, for those who may be saying, does, does God really want to use me to pour into others? The answer is yes. But uh, in the midst of this, I love Psalm 1914. Uh, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. Oh God, my rock and my redeemer. Uh, Continue to pray that prayer. Continue to wash your dishes well. And I believe that as we're intentional to seek after the Lord and seek to be in God-honoring community, uh, the opportunity to be in that sort of relationship will come. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do. All right, that's our discussion on discipleship and mentorship. Uh, we hope that there were some nuggets in there for uh, you to hold on to, uh, to inspire you, um, and to send you out on mission. Um, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Um, and we would encourage you to um, open yourself up and pray and um, be a worker. God will use you. Um, so thanks for listening. While you're at it, while you're here, while you're listening to me, go ahead and just leave a five-star review. That would help us out a lot. If you want to leave a comment, Andrew and I will read them and respond personally to you because we love you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.